Welcome to Exotic Pets. I'm Tracy Hotchner, whom you may know as the dog and cat lady, but I'm wearing a different hat here. With the brilliant collaboration of my co-host, Dr. Doug Mater, the world-renowned veterinarian specializing in exotic animals, we are here to celebrate all the other pets that share people's lives. This show is for people interested in pets that slither, hop, creep, fly, or swim, from bunnies to iguanas, parrots to ferrets, snakes to tortoises. Dr. Doug is going to teach us the physical requirements of these exotic pets and how to manage the often challenging environments and correct diets essential to their welfare. Dr. Doug Mater is the author of the wonderful memoir, The Vet at Noah's Ark, Stories of Survival from an Inner City Animal Hospital. He is recognized worldwide as a veterinary specialist on exotics and is the author of four major veterinary textbooks on reptiles and amphibians. We are proud to have ZooMed Laboratories as the founding sponsor of Exotic Pets. ZooMed has earned its reputation as the number one reptile and amphibian supplier in the world from simple beginnings 45 years ago as a passion project for one man who still runs it. Renowned as the international leader in UVB and heat lighting, ZooMed manufactures all their reptile supplies, accessories, and tools in the U.S., which they test on their own collection of animals, which surround everyone at headquarters. We're also sponsored by Oxbow Animal Health, the one brand that has stood out for more than 30 years as the leader in health and wellness for small mammals. Veterinarians, rescues, and passionate pet parents worldwide trust Oxbow to support the health and happiness of their small pets. Oxbow provides for rabbits and guinea pigs, ferrets and chinchillas, hamsters and gerbils, mice and rats, because these small pets have big hearts and require special nutrition and care. Oxbow has everything needed for their best life, the right hay and nutritionally complete foods, treats and supplements, litter and bedding, and a whole line of enrichment products created so your little loved ones can chew, play, hide, and explore every day. We're also brought to you by the bird food specialist Zupreme, which started with a revolutionary yet simple idea, provide exceptional diets for extraordinary animals. Best known as the bird nutrition specialist, Zupreme creates many foods for birds of all sizes, and they also make a variety of treats to appeal to every sort of bird and enhance their lives. Chonkasaurus. Did anyone see this article and this video footage of Chicago? This gigantic snapping turtle in the river in Chicago that had outgrown its shell? Chonkasaurus, I thought, oh, there's a good topic for Dr. Doug and me. I didn't know about that particular kind of turtle. Well, it was just a funny name for an obese turtle. Doug, what about obesity in the wild or in privately owned pets? Obesity is not funny. People were thought, oh, this is so funny. He was wearing, or she, wearing their shell like it was a top hat. They, they didn't even fit under their shell. That must have been horrible for you to see. Yeah. It, hi, Tracy. Thanks again for having me on. You're, you're right. I saw that video and boy, you don't, you know, you don't think in terms of wild animals being obese, but right. they, they certainly can. I mean, there is genetics behind some obesity, just like there is in humans. And there are some animals that eat more than others. And there are other animals that may, because they're ill, may not eat so well. And there may be some animals that may have, let's say, because we do see diseases like hypothyroidism in the wild. You know, if an animal's hypothyroidism, they have a tendency to put on some weight. So 
obviously with Chunkosaurus, I mean, that was a, for, for the listeners, that was a large snapping turtle in the river in Chicago. I mean, it was an extreme large, I would estimate probably a couple hundred pounds looking at the video, which is, wow. Species. Um, plus it was, it was a good maybe 25, 30% overweight. Um, so clearly it was eating well and it was doing just fine. It was surviving nicely. Um, but it was, it was a pretty impressive animal, but we do see that, um, in the wild, but we, we also see it in captivity and, you know, you always hear people talk about, you, you see, uh, I'm not being politically incorrect, but you see like a, a human baby and they're a little bit chunky and, oh, it's so cute. Look how cute, you know, it's not cute No, because obesity is not something that we should laugh at or take, you know, take lightly because we're not born with all of our fat cells. Fat cells grow as we grow. And as you grow, if you overeat, especially as a youngster, whether it's a person or a dog or a cat or a lizard, you grow more fat cells. Okay. Right. The thing is, if you start to lose weight, those fat cells don't go away. They just get smaller. So the cells are still there. That's why people who are overweight and then lose weight put weight back on so quickly because they, they already have the cells. And so obesity is something that we need to all pay attention to basically right out of the egg. You know, in other words, as soon as we're born, as soon as you get a puppy or a kitten or a little lizard or a small parakeet, you got to got to feed them properly. I, I have very been very fortunate and had a chance to travel literally all over the world get a lot of photographs and my wife and I were up in Newfoundland one time photographing a colony of puffins and we were noticing there was one particular puffin that it was a good 50% fatter wow all the other puffins around it and we were watching because we sat there for several hours taking pictures and that one puffin like would steal all the food and no kidding away from all the other ones so overeating is a problem and in captivity an animal's not going to overeat unless we overfeed it, That's right? right. Mm-hmm. What is food equal in humans, all right? And when you talk Love. About, exactly. You nailed it, okay? So people always have this, this misconception that if I love my animal, I'm going to feed it. I'm going to give it treats. You can, you can actually do more harm than good by doing that. If you love them, you'll take them for walks and exercise them and give them good nutrition. That's good love. Not giving them tons and tons and tons of treats so that they're morbidly obese, there's so many medical problems that come along with obesity, and there have been some really good studies. I'm going to extend now to dogs and cats, our friends, the dogs and cats, some really, really, really good refereed, peer-reviewed studies in dog medicine that shows dogs that are thinner have an average lifespan of over two years longer That's than right. that are obese. And it's now qualified as quantified as a disease. Obesity is a disease like thyroid disease or diabetes or pancreatitis. It's a disease. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it, this is, it's so important that we, we take our time and, and feed them properly and give them the, the necessary care that they need. And that gets into caging and giving them space to move and exercise. I'll, I'll give you a couple examples of mistakes that people make. Um, I just got back from a really amazing conference in Boston called Exoticon. And it's uh, a conference, it's an international conference, and it's all the top minds in the exotic animal medicine world, all the veterinarians come together and then they spend four days teaching courses on exotic animal medicine to veterinarians, veterinary students, technicians, literally from all over the world. 
And I went to one talk in particular that was, I thought was very good, and it was on obesity in pet reptiles. And I'll give you an example of a classic, classic mistake that people make. There's a, a lizard called a savanna monitor. It's really a cool lizard, full grown or maybe two and a half, three feet long, the kind of a sandy colored, super gentle dispositions. Uh, they're a monitor lizard. They have a long neck, a long tail, a, a, a snake-like tongue. They got great personalities. They know their names. They can, you can, they'll come when you call them. Whoa! In the wild, these guys are hunters, okay? Yep. So they will easily walk one two miles a day looking for food. So you have, you have hunters and then you have sit-and-wait predators. And you and I talked pet frog a few episodes back. And my frog sits in one spot, waits for a mouse to come by. Jumps out of its hole, eats the mouse, goes back in its hole. Yeah. Savannah monitors are hunters, and they will literally walk sometimes one to two miles, or if you're a lizard, you do it in kilometers. Let's say <laughs> kilometers a day looking for food to eat. And then they have a variety of food. They eat cockroaches, they eat um, crayfish, they eat mice, they eat butterflies, they eat a, just a ton of different types of foods, right? Small yep. birds. Yep. Captivity, what do we do? We put them in a, in a terrarium. Let's say maybe a 20, 30-gallon terrarium. That's where he lives, okay? He's not walking two or three kilometers a day. He's sitting in an aquarium. And then we throw him laboratory mice, right? Big old fat laboratory yeah. mice a week. So they don't have to hunt. They don't have to fight for their food. They don't have to expend one ounce of calories or energy trying to eat. So what do they do? They get obese. And this Interesting. obesity and reptiles and diseases that it causes, and in this one particular lizard, I mean, I've been doing this for nearly 40 years, and I can tell you 80 to 90% of this particular lizard species that I see as patients come in with hepatic lipidosis, which is fatty liver. Yes. They're morbidly obese because they don't get any exercise and they get overfed. And once they get fatty liver, that can lead to brain disease, that can lead to artery and, and vein disease, that can lead to heart disease, kidney disease. Ultimately, they die. And it's sad because it's 100% preventable. It's, it's very interesting, the analogy with cats, much more so than with dogs, because cats can get hepatic lipidosis when they're very fat, and you particularly, you try to put them on a diet, taking away the highly processed carbs, which I have called kitty crack, and start to feed them an appropriate diet for an obligate carnivore, which is at least 90% meat. But if they lose weight too quickly, or you try to help them do that by taking away the food that made them fat in the first place, it can be a, a terrible, a deadly a storm where their liver just can't get rid of all that fat so quickly that's packed around it, which it sounds like the same thing for this poor lizard. So what's the solution there? You, you made a really interesting point. You said a fat laboratory mouse. So if we think about the cockroach or the rodent that a, that a outdoor monitor lizard would catch, it, it isn't, you know, 90% fat and meat. It's bones and skin and toenails and a little bit of meat because it's a wild critter too, right? It's running around to survive. So if we say that a snake, for example, needs, I'm picking a number, one mouse a day or one mouse every three days, is it wrong that we're giving them a, a laboratory fattened mouse that's got way more nutrition than they would get in the wild? Or is that not an issue? I don't know that it's wrong so much. It's just we have to account for the difference in yes. the feeding them. You know, if you have a wild field mouse that's eating nothing but, you know, bugs and grains in the yep. field and it has a, a lean body mass, 
you know, of, um, you know, 15%. Right. Opposed to mice that are hand raised for as feeder mice and are being fed a, uh, a grow pellet so that they can grow them up fast and sell them. Yes. Um, you know, these animals are going to have a, a, a body mass index maybe of 25, 35%. So, we just have to account for that. And in the perfect world, we want, you know, we'd really nice to sit down with a nutritionist and figure out, okay, we have a 400 gram snake and it's going to, it's uh, metabolic rate is going to be X number of calories per day. And this is how much we should feed it considering the fact that it's not getting much exercise because it lives in an aquarium. So, you know, that's getting way beyond the scope of the podcast. I know, but it's interesting. These are things that people need to know should go into the equation somewhere in their own decisions and choices of what they offer or that their vet recommends that they offer, right? Tracy, a real simple way that everybody can do, and you don't have to go to school to figure it out. All you have to do is get yourself a small scale, depending on the size of the animal you have, a postage stamp scale, a little scale that we'd use for in the kitchen for getting out food. Yep. Uh, Or you can get fancy and go online to Chewy or one of these places and and get an exotic pet scale. Get yourself a small scale. Keep a diary. Oh, my God. That's so cool. Once a month, weigh it. Okay? If you're feeding it one mouse a week and it's gaining 10 grams a month and this is an adult animal that shouldn't be gaining that much. Right. Need to cut it back to maybe three mice a month instead of four mice a month. Right. It's, it's pretty simple math. That's yeah. really great, and it puts people in control of the health and welfare of their reptile. Well, I think it puts them in control, but it also makes them aware. Yes. You know, if they're actually seeing it, because it's like watching grass grow, right? You know, if if you don't really know that your pet's gaining weight, all you do is see it coming in because. Um, I mean, you see it every single day. You don't really see it gain a gram Correct. a week, gram a week to a, a snake that weighs 100 grams. Pretty soon that animal is going to be morbidly obese. Now, let me just clarify something for the purists that are listening. Reptiles do grow continuously. They grow from the day they're born to the day they die. They just grow much slower as they get older. Nice. In their growth phase, depending on the animal, um, they're going to gain quite a bit. And that's okay. Again, all the more reason to be weighing them and monitoring their weight and their progress. Because if you have a young growing animal and it's not gaining weight, you need to feed it more. But once you have an adult animal that's sedentary, it shouldn't be gaining 10 grams a week if it's a 100-gram snake. So it's really important to keep records. And also important because if you do, the eventuality that you have to take your, your pet to the veterinarian. Man, I loved it when people came in with good health records that they keep at home. Nice. How's your pet been doing? Well, here's a here's his weights for the last year, and as wow. you see, you know he started to lose weight about a month and a half ago. That's really cool that they're that attentive to it. It means that they're really genuinely good guardians. I want to go back for a minute to the Savannah monitor lizard, who you said are really cool critters. So, if that's an animal that is used to those many kilometers a day in search of something yummy. How do we give them a better life if they live in a terrarium? Should the the guardian of that monitor lizard or other equally long-ranging lizards have some kind of a, I don't know, is there an exotic pet playpen? You can take them out and give them some freedom without any chance of them escaping. Should they have a chance to roam a bit more or is it too late? Has that boat sailed and they're never going to get the kind of exercise they need even in small increments? Well, it's not for me to tell somebody they can't have a pet, but it is, I think, incumbent on veterinarians when they advise 
clients that are seeking a new pet to advise them on what pets may work for them, what pets may not. If you live in a small apartment in New York City and you want to get a Savannah monitor that's going to grow to be two and a half, three feet long that needs exercise, that may not be the animal to have in a small apartment in New York City. If you live in mid-state mid Florida where you have an acre and you can build an outdoor enclosure and that animal can run around the enclosure, that's I see. So, you know, there are people who are going to want to have a 12-foot python in their apartment in New York City. May not be the best choice. <laughs> it's not for me to tell people what they can or can't buy, but I can certainly, and you can certainly advise people on, on good ideas and bad ideas. So if you have that monitor lizard that's obese living in an aquarium, man, that's a tough one. You know, work with your veterinarian and, and come up with a diet plan. You can't just, like the kitty cat, you can't just cut off their calories. That's right. That's right. Hypodosis. But you can adjust the amount you're feeding. You can adjust the food types. Again, they don't just eat mice in the wild. You can give them fish. You can give them crayfish. You can give I them see. baby birds. Birds have a lot of feathers and not as much calorie. So there's ways to adjust their food. Plus, it gives them environmental and mental enrichment. Um, you can A lot of these monitor lizards, you can actually leash train. And no kidding. Went to the Indo-Pacific. Um, there's a particular type of monitor called Gould's monitor, and it looks like the Savannah, but it's about three or four times as long. Oh, my and God. Because they're incredibly, incredibly um, people-oriented, and people put harnesses on them and walk them in the parks, and they, they leash train them. Oh, and my God. But they take their lizard out for a walk, like you would take your dog out for a walk. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's great exercise. It's great, and it's great watching for the for the neighborhood. I mean, that's got to be quite a sight to see that happening. Before we wrap up, just a question about the exotic pet scale at Chewy's or wherever else you might buy or, or at your brick-and-mortar real pet store. At some point, the pet scale surely can't be large enough to accommodate many of these reptiles and amphibians as they get bigger. I mean, how do you fit them on the scale, or is the scale expandable? I can't envision it. I can only envision... Like, you know, measuring how many ounces of butter in a kitchen scale. So how big how big can that scale manage? How, how big of a critter, critter? The kitchen scales because you can wash them. So if the pet pees on the scale or right. pet on there, you need to disinfect it. The postage scales, they're great because you can put a big package on them, but they're not designed to get wet. So they're inexpensive. They work really well, but they just don't clean well. So I like the, the kitchen scales. But they also sell baby scales. Go to Kmart or right. You can get scales for babies, and those are designed to get wet and be disinfected. Um, in fact, most veterinary hospitals that I know use human baby scales because they're about a third the price of the same scale if it has a veterinary label on it. That's funny. And then I guess you would put your reptile or amphibian in a bowl or a dish or something. You wouldn't ask them to stay still on the scale. You have a 10-foot snake. Uh, Tracy, you, it's not going to sit on the scale, right? Correct. So you put the pillowcase, and then you put the pillowcase on the scale. Got so it. there's ways to do it. You can put them in a box. You can put them in a bowl with a lid if you have a small bird. There's a lot of ways to do it. And and weigh the container first and then subtract it. A lot of math goes on. But I think it's really important that, that we all think about fat that fat is not good. It's not good for people. It's not good for animals. And very fat is very bad. And we can do something about it. And Dr. Dog, thank you for giving us lots of thoughts on how to do that. You got it. 
Dr. Doug Mater and I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Exotic Pets and our desire to educate and inspire you to give your exotics their best possible life. This show is brought to you by the wonderful companies that cater to the needs of exotic pets. From Zubad Laboratories, where they make everything you need to keep your reptiles and amphibians in tip-top shape, to Oxbow Animal Health, with health and wellness solutions for small mammals, and Zupreme, the company dedicated to your bird's nutrition. And if you haven't read Dr. Doug's book, The Vet at Noah's Ark, yet, do yourself a favor and pick up a copy.